0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Yo, what is going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the EPA podcast right here on BGN Radio as uh, a part of, of course, Bleeding Green nation i'm one of your hosts today victor williams be sure to follow me on all platforms at the philly pod be sure to subscribe uh, to bgn radio on uh, all platforms or any platforms not all of them whatever platform <laughs> you go ahead and get your podcast apple spotify iheart radio stitcher anywhere else you get your shows be sure to subscribe rate five stars leave those reviews as you guys know each and every one does help with the exposure of bleeding green nation Joined, as always, every week, my co-host. You can follow him on Twitter at half, and half underscore TPL. He is Shane Half. What's going on, buddy? We got a bit of a, uh, uh, I don't even want to say like another bye week, but it's popped from Thursday to Monday. That might as well be another bye week for the Eagles. How are we feeling about our Philadelphia Eagles now 8-0 and after beating the Texans on
0: Thursday night? I'm feeling off schedule, like, <laughs> you have a bye week, which is weird. And then you come out and you play on a Sunday and then a Thursday and then all the way to Monday again. I, I don't know. It's just the routine feels weird. Everything feels weird, but the Eagles are 8 0. And so feel great about that. Uh, we'll get into the Texans game. It was a little, little scary in the first half. Uh, not that you probably ever thought they were going to lose, but a sloppy game, a little bit to be expected playing your second game in five days traveling cross country. But 8 and 0 for the first time in franchise history. So it's hard to feel bad about that.
1: Yes sir, 8 and 0 behind the leadership of Jay uh Hurts who will be quick to tell you that it is not his first time being 8 and 0. They went 14 and 0 uh with Alabama back in 2016. Of course, came up short in the uh National Championship game. So he will he'll be quick to tell you that 8 and 0 isn't good enough, which is the right mindset uh to have to your point the game did get a little uh uncomfortable. <laughs> we never felt like they were going to lose. But the Texans were the first team to be tied with them, at least at, at, at halftime. Uh, which, which to your point, to be expected when you're on the road. Uh, it's a short week, and and this and that. And the Texans, like they have some good players. We highlighted some of them last week. Jerry Hughes, um, well, Cooks was out, and um, Nico Collins was out, so they had Philip Dorsett and Chris Moore at receiver. And Philip Dorsett caught caught Bradbury a couple times. So that is what had shocked me initially, is that this offense was actually able to put together a couple drives. I didn't think they would be able to move the ball downfield at first. Uh, the first score came from the Texans, from whoever, it's Hegan. I don't even know how to say his name, Quittoriano. Never <laughs> heard of that guy a day in my life. I think it was his first career catch that, of course, went for a touchdown. And who was in coverage? I'm not here to tell you if he was in the right position or not. Shane can tell you all that because he's, I'm sure, seen the film already. But this boy, Kayvon Wallace, should not be on the roster. The prime culprit of getting caught on that on that touchdown pass. So, Shane, um, your initial uh just your initial quick surface takeaways from the game and then answer to me why in the world I have to watch Kayvon Wallace on the field at any point.
0: (laughs) So I will say this: as hard as we've been on Kayvon Wallace and He's he, the the highlights look bad in this game. He gives up the touchdown pass. I mean, he got bodied by a big tight end. He was in good. He had good coverage. Just I felt like he was in the, the right position. Point.
1: Just got just got bodied.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then you have the near the end of the game. There's like five minutes left. The Eagles are up by 12, uh, and, and he makes the you know the guy catches the Philip Dorsett. I think it was catches the streak down or the corner route down the sideline, and Kavon Wallace is there to to make the tackle. Uh, I'm here to tell you. That live, it looks like that's on Kavon Wallace. You go back and watch that on all twenty two. Kavon Wallace saved a touchdown there. That was a cover three that James Bradbury just busted on. I, I put a put the clip out on Twitter and kind of broke it down a little bit, but Kavon Wallace made potentially a touchdown saving tackle there, recognizing that bust and getting over there. So I, I'm as difficult or I'm as tough on Kavon Wallace as anybody, but those two plays uh he, he was in a good spot. So I don't want to see him on the field as much as we saw him, but He at least made a few plays on the day. Uh, To me, though, the biggest takeaway from this game, obviously, is the Eagles' run defense. It's a problem. We've talked about it before. Prior to the Jordan Davis injury, the Eagles averaged 3.9 yards per carry allowed when Davis was on the field and six yards per carry with him off. So he gets injured. It's obviously going to be an issue. Uh, How do you solve that? I thought the Eagles tried to run blitz early, and it just did not work. Uh, then they tried to go into those five man fronts and they put Marvin Wilson at the nose tackle, who was a practice squad player who's never played a nose tackle before. Didn't work. They tried Marlon Tui Pelotu, also didn't work. The one thing they did that had some success in the second half is they started to put Javon Hargrave at, at the nose tackle. And I think you can expect to see that quite a bit going forward. Uh, but Damian Pierce goes 27 carries, 139 yards. They ran the ball all over the Eagles. Jonathan Gannon caught a lot of strays on Twitter from people. I really don't think this was on Jonathan Gannon that much. You're on a short week. The, the linchpin of your run defense got hurt. And all you can do is come up with theoretical answers. You're not hitting guys in practice and you're definitely not hitting guys in practice on a short week. So he came up with theoretical answers and they didn't work out. And he adjusted until something slowed it down enough for the Eagles to get out of the game. So I'm interested to see what sort of plan he comes up with this week. He's got a longer, you know, we talked about the mini buy; they go Thursday to Monday. Washington's obviously not a great rushing team, but the Eagles have to figure out something on run defense. And part of it, too, is just horrific tackling. It continues to be an issue for the run defense and the defense in general is just their inability to bring ball carriers down.
1: Yeah, uh, Jonathan Gannon can't tackle players. So, so I mean, you can only like what what's he going to do out there if the, if his players aren't tackling. Yes, he should have his players in positions to succeed, but if they're not wrapping tacklers up, that's not the fault of Jonathan Gannon. But yeah, maybe maybe not next week. Uh, but we do have some good rushers coming up. We'll see if Jonathan Taylor is back healthy with that of a a mess of whatever's going on in Indianapolis from the head coaching to the to the just just in general, it's a mess over there. But Jonathan Taylor Still one of the top backs in the league. We'll see what his health looks like come that week. And we at Aaron Jones coming up. We got Derrick Henry, who's running all over the place. If you can't tackle Damian Pierce, I don't know what, what they think they're going to do against Derrick Henry. So they need to, to figure it out. I think that Tennessee Titans game would be the fifth week from Jordan Davis going down, and his high ankle sprain is diagnosed as four to six weeks. So I'm sure that they'd be happy to have him back, and he'd be right on that. Right on the button on, on on a return, so we'll see how all that how all that uh uh shakes out for the uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. But yeah, with this win, moving on to eight and zero, I believe they are the twenty eighth team in the Super Bowl era to start off eight and zero. I think all twenty eight teams made the playoffs, and eight of them went on to the uh, Super Bowl. So things bode well for the Eagles uh, moving forward as far as the playoffs are concerned. Jalen Hurts in this game, twenty one for twenty seven, two hundred forty three yards. Two more passing touchdowns to add to his total, which is now 12 for passing, six for rushing. And uh, his first lost fumble of the season, just his third turnover of the year. I couldn't really tell whose fault it was. It looked like the, there was something wrong with the snap. And it also looked like part of the offense thought the play was dead, which would explain why like you know, he got hit the way he did. So I, some type of miscommunication happened with that fumble. But it is just his first lost fumble of the season. Like I said, three turnovers. If you were to talk to me about MVP candidates and how they shake out, obviously Pat Mahomes has the 21 passing touchdowns. Josh Allen has 19. Hertz just has 12. If you're looking at strictly passing stats, but if you look at turnovers as a whole, and these quarterbacks obviously throw a little bit more than Jalen Hurts does. Pat Mahomes 10 turnovers. Josh Allen has, uh, or Josh Allen has 10, to- 10 turnovers. My mistake. Pat Mahomes has six turnovers. Jalen Hurts just three. And the disparity, to put it in context, Josh Allen has 59 more pass attempts than Jalen Hurts. So not like a crazy disparity, but obviously these offenses are predicated to throw more than the Philadelphia Eagles. Has Jalen Hurts finally with this game and with the way the NFL did look this past weekend, the Bills falling to the Jets, Kansas City barely skinning by Malik Willis and the, and the Tennessee Titans? Has Jalen Hurts, in your mind, overtaken the lead in the MVP race?
0: I think so. Um, You look at the Bills. Josh Allen played awful on Sunday.
1: And And now now,
0: dealing (laughs) with an elbow injury. And we're not sure what that's going to look like. But missing time makes it hard to win MVP as well. Uh, I guess unless you just miss like two weeks and the team looks awful without you, then maybe it helps your case. But uh, I think right now it's probably a two-person race between Mahomes and Hurts with maybe an outside shot for someone like Lamar Jackson, who everybody knows is carrying his team right now. Uh, I, I would give it to Mahomes over Hurts, but MVP fatigue plays a role with voters. And I think some people are just kind of tired of hearing about Patrick Mahomes. So uh, that probably slants it a little bit in the favor of Jalen Hurts, especially with the schedule that they have coming up. Uh, they could continue to you know push up to 10, 11, 12 and 0. And at that point it becomes really hard to ignore how well he's playing. And so, yeah, if I was voting right now, I would probably vote for Mahomes, but it's really close. And the fact that it's really close, I think, tips it to Hurts' favor.
1: Yeah, the gap certainly did did close. And and according to the outlets around the league, the Eagles finally, finally overtook the Bills in the power rankings. They were chasing them, even though they were unbeaten. They were chasing the Bills for a while there. And then uh, the Eagles finally overtook them this week as the NFL's top team. In the NFL, talking about the offense, Dallas Goddard finally got his turn to explode on the week eight catches for 100 yards on the dot, one touchdown looks very good in this game. looks like one of the premier tight ends in this league. I heard the broadcast talk about he's up there with the uh with the Travis Kelseys and um you mentioned George Kittle, who isn't particularly having a good year, so I was like I, I didn't know George Kittle was still considered an elite tight end, but but it is it is what it is. What about this game in particular? Made it so that Dallas Goddard could thrive. We all know he's like the screen master this this year. They every time the Eagles get in the field goal range, once they cross that thirty-five yard line, it's Dallas Goddard screen time. What about uh, what what about this game and the way the Texans aligned the defense made it so that Dallas Goddard could kind of dissect them?
0: So the the Texans play a lot of old school Tampa 2, cover two zone defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I Put out an all twenty-two. I love Smith man. Is that love yeah. Smith defense. <laughs> yeah, I put out about a five-minute all twenty-two video, so the listeners can go find that uh, on Twitter or my YouTube if they want to check it out. But just showing how they use Goddard to attack the, the boundary area in that Tampa two-style defense is really vulnerable, and they they hit Goddard on corner routes underneath the safety several times in this game, and they forced the Texans out of that cover-two look. They started to go to single high and they tried like a single high cover two and they would use Goddard up the seam, which is vulnerable in cover three. They tried to run man and what safety is going to be able to cover Dallas Goddard in man coverage. And so Dallas Goddard just had exploitable matches all game. And you know, I- I'm ready to say that Dallas Goddard's the second best tight end in the NFL. I don't know how you feel about that. I dropped that on another show and I got some pushback, but he's, but I'll, I'll give Travis Kelsey number one. Dallas Goddard, I think, is clearly number two. He's such a complete player. Uh, Aside from what he can do for the passing offense, downfield, he's a yards-after-catch machine. No other tight end are you scheming up screens for like Dallas (laughs) Goddard. And then he's so good as a blocker, and that's undersold, but his blocking ability opens up the run game. It opens up the RPO game. He's probably one of the best blocking tight ends in the NFL. And usually you say that about guys that can't catch. And I'm here to tell you, Dallas Goddard can catch. He's a huge part of the Eagles' offense.
1: Yeah, you say that about the uh, Jack Stalls of the uh, of the of uh, the uh, who we're gonna have to watch now. If God forbid anything happens to Dallas Goddard, because the Eagles d- decided that they didn't need uh, uh, another tight end. But it's yes, good to see Dallas Goddard uh, get a, getting some targets. It's pick your poison in this offense, and more than Dallas Goddard was open multiple times in in this offense. But when you have your security blanket open like that, it bodes well. For the, uh, for the offense. Quez Watkins had a couple catches in this game. We just got done talking last week about how he's only at eight targets since week two, so it was good to see him uh, get some targets as well. Two catches for 25 yards, uh, had the 123-yarder in the beginning of the game, so also good to to see that. Uh, defensively, I did want to uh, ask you, we, we mentioned Marvin Wilson, who for whatever reason, well, we know the reason, but like 19, 19 snaps, that's like Jordan Davis, like like reps. Like he he didn't, it wasn't filled by committee. It was give all of Jordan Davis's reps to Marvin Wilson. So <laughs> I don't know why a guy who wasn't on the roster that the Eagles, you know, left available, they called up from the streets, the practice squad, and said, yep, go in there and we're you're going to be our, you're going to be our nose tech and figure it out. And this is why Damian Pierce bounced off of every defender without getting tackled <laughs> throughout through, through, throughout the game. How much longer can the Eagles survive like this without Jordan Davis? And if it's not for long, Shane, how do you how do the Eagles rectify it moving forward? You did say Hargrave uh, got got the nod in the second half and they did a little better at at that point. Is Hargrave going to be the answer until Jordan Davis can come
0: back? I think so. Uh, You saw the snaps from Marvin Wilson because he's six, five over 300 pounds. He's big. And so you think he could eat up space like that. And he just couldn't Uh, Javon Hargrave he's got about the same weight, but he's only six one. So he's not as big, but remember he's come, he came from Pittsburgh who plays a three, four style of defense. And so he had a lot of reps as a nose tackle in Pittsburgh. So it's not a new thing for him. And you would think that playing him at the nose tackle, it would be a detriment to his pass rushing, but he actually dominated pass rushing from the nose tech position uh, in the game. He dominated the center a couple times. He's got five sacks in the last two games. Uh, he's he's a very hot and cold player you know he started last year on fire and then kind of went cold and he started this year a little cold and now he's heating up Uh, hopefully they can ride that hot hand in the center of the defense until they can get Jordan Davis back I think that's the best plan moving forward Um, you know you could try to put a third safety on the field more often uh, in the box but that third safety is Kevon Wallace and I'm not sure you want to do that either so I think at this point, your best bet is to put Javon Hargrave at the nose tackle and just try to survive, uh, which you can do. When you're such a good pass defense, you're such a good offense, it, it doesn't lend itself to opponents running the ball on you a lot. And so I think the Eagles can survive it, but the run defense might be ugly for a few more weeks. Yeah, definitely.
1: At least, like, thankfully, they have uh, Brian Robinson and uh, Antonio Gibson next week, who are who are decent running backs, but not guys that you essentially have to game plan for. And then you got the plethora of running backs that so Aaron Jones and Derek Henry, those guys coming down the, uh, the forefront, and uh, hopefully they'll be ready to, uh, to, uh, to go for that. Uh, James Badbury had the uh, essentially the game-clinching interception. He and Darius Slay continue to be uh, stellar. I don't think Darius Slay is even getting looked at at this point. He's only given up 15 yards since week six. A lot of that is because QBs aren't even targeting him. I think he had, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he had any targets in the in the Houston game. I don't think Davis Mills tried him not one time. So when, when, when you look at this tandem of Bradbury and Darius Slate, and I have to look at how Darius is I, I know an extension's coming up soon. I don't know I think it's you have to refresh my memory if it's up this year or the or the end of next year. Uh but when you when you look at this tandem and I know the rumblings of OBJ going to Dallas and and this and that. But with this tandem, is there any is there is there any receiving threat out there at least in the NFC, that the Eagles wouldn't be able to stop. Darius Slay already stopped Justin Jefferson. Terry McLaurin doesn't pose any threat. Darius Slay has kept him at bay throughout throughout his career. I'm trying to think of these NFC contenders, and I don't see
0: a lot of them that are going to be able to throw a whole lot on, on Bradbury or Darius Slay. Yeah, there's only one team I can think of that has the passing weapons that would potentially be able to overwhelm the Eagles' secondary, and fortunately it's the Eagles. And so they're not <laughs> gonna have to match up with them. I mean, if you if you stacked up uh James Bradbury, Avante Maddox, Darius Slay, uh Chauncey Gardner Johnson against AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard, that'd be a fascinating matchup. And, you know, fortunately, we don't have to watch that. I'm not sure who I would favor in that, but they've got the horses to play with any NFC team. Any AFC team for that matter. You think about the big threats in the AFC, you've got you know, the Chiefs they've got Travis Kelsey as their big receiving threat. They really don't have a a huge threat other than that. And the Eagles can certainly, you know, scheme around a tight end. You look at the bills, Stefan Diggs, very, very good receiver, but you like to think that you could put Darius slay on him and help him out and be able to lock, you know, reasonably lock down the rest of that passing attack. I think the passing attack that would scare you the most in terms of weapons, uh, would be the Bengals. If they were to get there, they've got the three headed monster and, uh, maybe not a best matchup for Avante Maddox, but we may be getting ahead of ourselves there a little bit, but the Eagles secondary has just been a revelation this year. Chauncey Gardner Johnson, uh, he continues to make splash plays aided by a lot of luck. I'll just say uh, <laughs> I was
1: waiting for it. I knew you were going to see it. He's five a interceptions,
0: one <laughs> in each of the last four games. I mean, every one of his interceptions has been a result of a good play by somebody else a tip ball or a pressure, but credit to him for making plays and not, not easy. Play. I mean, how often do we see a defensive back drop an easy yeah. catch? And he's he might have some of the best hands TVs, on the team. So.
1: Some of these interceptions, man. You yeah, see, he, he
0: could have been a starting receiver for the Eagles in 2019. That's for sure. So yeah. Yeah. might have been yeah. the best. Might have been the best pass catcher on the team if he was here then. So yeah, the the defense is playing really well. The you you wonder if the turnover luck will hold. They've been remarkably lucky in terms of turnovers forced uh, with some of the tips and things and. In the giveaways by the offense, you see Jalen Hurts get stripped and Jason Kelsey's just right there to fall on it. So they've had some luck on both ways, uh, but they're not just relying on that. It's been a dominant defense uh, all the way across the board.
1: Yeah, C.J. Gardner-Johnson's here, Point the five interceptions, currently leads the NFL, uh, and it's, it's the, that. You want to talk about uh, today's price isn't yesterday's price. That contract, whatever he's looking for, yeah, it's that's going up by the day as as well. As far as the cornerbacks, when you rank each cornerback by their passive rating allowed, James Bradbury atop that list at 35.9. Darius Slay is right underneath him at 37.2, passive rating allowed. So you already have the top two cornerbacks as far as uh, QB's passive rating when they're targeted. Uh, Jai Alexander is third, 44.6, and J.C. Horn of Carolina is fourth with 48.4. So so very encouraging things from the defense. Uh, Again, competition plays into it. Uh, but, but, you know, when Davis Mills throws it right, right to you, <laughs> it's, uh, it's kind of hard not to, not to, not to make a play in that essence. But speaking of the competition, as we all know, the Eagles, the Eagles are eight. No, well, before we get to that, Shane, any other final points on, on the Texans game you want to highlight before we get into the, the strength of schedule?
0: Yeah. Crisis the last here? thing I'd say, and I've, this has been my throwaway line at the end every week, but special teams is a problem for the, oh, God. <laughs> you, you, you let the Texans walk down the field and score. And then when you get the ball on the first kickoff, you get a holding and all of a sudden you're starting inside your own 10 and that in and of itself could kill a drive and put you in a big hole. And unfortunately, the Eagles march down and score. But then at the end of half, Jake Elliott misses a 54 yard field goal in a dome. And so special teams continues to be an issue. Jake Elliott's the part of special teams you normally don't worry about. And a 54 yard field goal is no gimme. I trust Jake Elliott.
1: Yeah, I was like, but, I don't know if I want to slander him for that, but it, yeah, no, 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 no slander
0: and... to him. But it's just another, <laughs> it's another thing where special teams is causing problems. And Jake Elliott is the part that's typically really reliable, and I trust him there. But you just, it's like something every game with special teams here, and, and the margins are big right now in terms of winning. As you get down the stretch with some of these divisional games into the playoffs, those margins shrink, and you can't afford to give points away like that.
1: Didn't Britton Covey get tackled like inside the 10, like at some or inside the 20 in this game. Like he definitely didn't make it to the 20 on one of these kickoffs. And when Britton Covey, whenever he gets tackled, it's not just a tackle. I feel like he gets like checked like into the bleachers. Like he, the way he gets thrown around. Oh man, we need another guy to catch kicks. We saw Devontae back there, right? He caught one punt this game, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So they need to. Well, that's not like they need to find it. they they didn't do it at the deadline naheem hines would have been the the, the perfect fit there and what was given up for him a sixth and and buffalo um is implementing him now so that would have been great to see i don't know what the other options are greg wards hanging out in the practice squad they might have to they might have to figure that out <laughs> They might have to call him back up just for somebody to catch the ball let alone let alone return it because it's not like greg ward ever ever lit anybody up as far as uh as pump returns but yeah special teams not ideal. I was actually shocked that Michael Clay was brought back after last season because it was the same situation last year. Not a lot of special teams Magic to be had. And they brought him back, and they got rid of Rager. So I was like, all right, maybe we'll see something different at Punt Returner. And we all sang. I don't know where you were at as far as Britton Covey's uh, preseason stock, but we were all singing his praises over here. So uh, that has not that has not worked out. Is Devin Allen still around? Is he going to get a crack at some point? I mean, I think he's still on the
0: practice squad. Right? <laughs> Jason Huntley. I don't know. Oh, Real, really, God. I don't need you to make a play in the return game. I just need you to let's not catch fumble. It. I yeah, need us get. to stop it's Greg Ward. giving it's up Greg fake Ward. punts. Stop <laughs> missing field goals, holding on kick. I, just stop having negative special. I don't need positive special teams plays. Just neutral would be great. That'd be huge. Yeah, I'd like a positive play. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be great. So,
1: as we mentioned, once they start getting to play these tougher teams, they may, they uh, might not be so lucky. And the Eagles' strength of schedule to this point has been much of their conversation. We're getting compared to the eleven-zero Steelers of years past. Like, that might have been the worst undefeated team. And it's not like those Steelers were beating down teams. They were, like, barely edging by bad teams. And they were led by a cooked Ben Roethlisberger. This is not that situation. I think I saw you tweet something about... Uh, uh, about this no no somebody had the audacity to tweet that this team and the belief of Jalen hurts is comparable to jimmy g did i see that is that what i saw
0: yeah yeah they're they're saying that eagles fans are talking about um hurts the same way 49ers fans were talking about jimmy g after 2019 which maybe that's true and how old was jimmy g at the time it shouldn't really be held against eagles fans that 49ers fans were a tad bit delusional at that point in time uh but yeah i i saw that i i tweeted about it
1: jimmy g was what at the time 28 29 how old is he now 30 is he 30 yet he's old he's he's up there it's not like there was some young quarterback it's not like trey lance and he's been bad and everybody's talking themselves into him nobody's talking ourselves into a veteran quarterback being the face of this franchise for the next 10 years nobody is saying that that's not even that's first of all jimmy g can't even move like Jalen harris why is that why is this a situation i don't understand why 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 this is a thing but the strength of schedule is very much a thing so according to uh so jeff Kerr of cbs sports tweeted out that the top 5 easiest uh strength of schedule uh to this point the eagles are not on that list as as, as we all know um so shane i don't know what Yes, yes, we've we've played subpar teams, but they've also beaten the Vikings, who only have one loss, the Eagles. They've beaten Dallas, albeit with Cooper Rush, but they only have two losses now. The Eagles are responsible for one of those, so we can't sit here and say the Eagles have only beaten up on bad teams because they've beaten two of the uh, top NFC contenders that are along with the Eagles. Have the Eagles truly... At an easy schedule, or are they middle of the pack, and people are just making too much into it because we're beating down—not just beating teams, but beating down on teams and taking care of them and making it. Be- Mind you, these are all professional football players. Like we're not playing like we're not playing the Pac-12 or anything. Like it's it's professional NFL organizations, and they all have good players. We saw Jerry Hughes make plays on the Texans. They have good players, Damian Pierce. I just don't understand the stigma that. The schedule is the reason for the Eagles being eight and zero. Because if anything, this week proved that it's hard to win in the NFL, and and it's hard to win, you know, every Sunday.
0: Yeah, this isn't college football with Alabama playing Southern <laughs> Alabama and Appalachian like, State. <laughs> these are these are all NFL teams, and so you know, have they played the hardest schedule? No, they're about middle of the pack in terms of strength of schedule right now. I think they rank 14th, but. The Vikings are seven or eight and one, whatever. They've got one loss, and that one loss was the Eagles. The Cowboys have two losses, and one of those losses was the Eagles. And you can talk about Cooper Rush being in the game all you want. The Cowboys' defense gives up 16 points a game. The Eagles put up 26 on them. The defense, they they out, they, they they took that defense to task. They schemed Micah Parsons out of games. The I mean, since when, the, the Eagles just won by 12 points on a short week traveling cross country and everybody is acting like, oh, see, they're not that good. How many teams go win by 12 points in those situations? Like, it's not easy to beat another NFL team by double digits. The the Eagles point differential is plus 90. The Chiefs is plus 54. Like, let's not forget the Chiefs lost to the Colts who are in disarray. The Eagles, the, the Colts were an easy game and the Chiefs dropped it. The Eagles haven't done that. And beyond like not dropping a game they haven't trailed for a single snap in the second half and so you know what i like to see how they stack up to the Bengals, the ravens the bills a team like that absolutely and you know hopefully that happens down the stretch i'm excited to see how they match up with dallas the second time around and all of that but discounting the eagles being undefeated for playing an average nfl schedule is just kind of ludicrous
1: yeah so Easiest strength of schedule meeting in the NFL. Number one is the Ravens. They have the easiest schedule meeting. Then the Falcons, Chiefs, Buccaneers. Buccaneers finally get a win. Maybe they 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 start to get it together. And then the Panthers. So all of this, <laughs> all of this blown up about the Eagles having the uh the, the easiest schedule. I just think I think number one it's overblown. And like you mentioned, teams lose gimmies all the time. I I know Casey lost that game against the Colts because me and my superior betting skills. Bet the money line in that game as a part of a parlay, and that was the like leg that lost. And I just—that's probably when I should have retired from uh, from sports betting. So that—that that was uh, that. That was that. But at the end of the day, the Eagles are eight and zero. Looking ahead to uh, to Washington on Monday night to try and make it to nine and zero, the Eagles eight and zero for the first time in franchise history. We're gonna go to a quick break when we come back. Shane and I will dive into the key matchups as the Eagles look to sweep the Washington Commanders uh, with their matchup coming up on Monday Night Football. Be sure to stay tuned right here on Bleeding Green Nation. We'll be right back.
0: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece
1: of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue
0: Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns.
1: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA, member FDSE.
0: And we are back here on the EPA podcast, back from break, and we're going to talk about the Eagles-Commander's game. Uh, Victor, before we get to that, though, one thing I just thought of over break about the strength of schedule conversation you know what makes your strength of schedule look worse? Mm. Beating every team you play. Uh That kind of hurts your opponent win percentage. So if the Eagles just need to stop winning games and then their strength of schedule will look more difficult. That's what I'm hearing the haters say out there. So, Good point. It's a good point. (laughs) So let's get into this Eagles matchup with the commanders and the Eagles already faced the commanders in week three and, just feel obliged once again to point out that i hate how the nfl schedules these games like you should not play the commanders twice before you even play the giants again nfl i'm just begging you put divisional games weeks one through three and week 16 through 18 be Mm -hmm. great it'd be simple starting in the year with your division matchups but that's beside the point we are playing the commanders again um after thoroughly dominating them the first time around Uh, Carson Wentz was under center then. He's injured now. Taylor Heineke is under center. And I highly doubt we're going to see Carson Wentz again this season for Washington. So things change a little bit with Heineke under center. Uh, Functionally, it still is not a great football team. Uh, One thing when you compare Heineke and Wentz to one another, uh, Taylor Heineke invites pressure more often than Carson Wentz. Uh, He's been pressured on 48% of his dropbacks whereas Carson Wentz was only pressured on 34% of his. However, the sack rate when you're under pressure is so much lower for Heineke, 11.7% versus 25.8% for Wentz. So Heineke likes to hold the ball. Uh, He invites pressure, but he doesn't take sacks nearly as often as Carson Wentz. So I don't think you're going to see a nine sack performance. I think you're going to see the Eagles pass rush influence this game, but they're probably not going to have a big sack total to show for it.
1: Uh, yeah, Carson Wentz was responsible for maybe three four of those nine sacks himself. So, so I think Taylor Heineke has a bit better pocket awareness than, than what Carson Wentz had that day. Uh, many Eagles fans will be upset that Carson Wentz has returned to Philadelphia. Well, not really, because the first game pretty much nipped any like whatever, uh, this whatever argument was out there about Winston Hurts. Like, that game kind of proved all you had to see. So, I think people just wanted Wentz to show up to Philadelphia just so that they could. Um, hear it from the Philly crowd, Philly crowd themselves. But yeah, Hargrave, like you mentioned, with him in his last five sacks, up the uh, uh, in the last two games, he'll be a force. And the Eagles had had when when they had their nine sack performance. I don't even know who Washington's uh starting rotation was at the time because they've had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different rotations at offensive line. One, two, three. Four, five, six, six different rotations at defensive line or offensive line so far this season. The only constant has been Charles Leno at left tackle and Andrew Norwell at left guard. The other three positions names have come in and out. They've rotated. They've tried to figure it out. And us in Philadelphia know what it's like to have thirteen different combinations at offensive line. So not the ideal, not the ideal uh, statistic there for, for the uh, for the for the Washington Commanders. I think a big. Highlight in this game is going to be Jonathan Gannon and how he does game plan for for uh, for Taylor Heineke. Gannon said on Tuesday that he thinks that uh, Heineke presents a certain challenge because he can make a lot of off schedule plays. He has some mobility, not to the level of some of the mobile, uh, mobile quarterbacks in the league right now. But I think Heineke, I think the team rallies around more around Heineke. He did almost beat the, the eventual Super Bowl champion Bucks in, the, in those playoffs. And Terry McLaurin has played better since Heineke has been inserted into the lineup. They have more of a rapport. They have better uh, a relationship on the field. I think that uh, that is going to be a matchup that you're going to have to watch as well with Terry McLaurin with a, more, with a quarterback that he's more comfortable with. What do you make of the uh, Heineke and McLaurin uh, kind of connection in this upcoming game rather than with Wentz under
0: Yeah, Heineke is mostly going to throw the ball close to the line of scrimmage, and then he's got (laughs) plays where he extends plays, and he just takes shots downfield. And primarily, uh, he's taking shots downfield to a well-covered Terry McLaurin and hoping he'll make a play. And so he's got that faith in McLaurin. Uh, I think the Eagles, you know, obviously we've talked about the Eagles secondary. They've got the horses to be able to run with McLaurin. But uh, you can give up a deep ball to Terry McLaurin, even if you've got him covered well. It's not what I would come in focusing on. I would come in focusing on that 90% of the plays that are going to be quick passes, uh, or maybe not even quick passes, but short passes. He'll extend plays and then take checkdowns. So I wouldn't get overly concerned about the deep ball. Just know, hey, if he gets you once, that's fine. Uh, one one deep ball is not going to lose you the game. But The commander's offense, since Heineke took over in week seven for Carson Wentz, they're 25th in EPA. Uh, they're 26th in drop back EPA, and they're 21st in rushing EPA. So this is not a good offense. It's still not a good offense. It's not uh implode offense like it was with Carson Wentz, but it's not good. The best element is the rushing game, I guess, and the rushing game's just not good. Now, maybe it looks good against the Eagles for aforementioned reasons, but I'm just not terribly concerned about the commander's offense to me, this game comes more down to the commander's defense against the Eagles offense and how that matchup shakes out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Taylor Heineke's has three completions of more than 30 yards so far this season. So not a lot of a big play, not a lot of big plays to be had in that offense. And I don't think Terry McLaurin is going to find a whole lot with Darius Slay uh, across from him, like you mentioned. So switching over to the, uh to, to the defensive side for Washington, they do have Jonathan Allen and Darren Payne, Along that defensive line, who's who's been fairly good. Allen, five and a half sacks, 11 tackles for loss this season. Payne has four and a half sacks, 10 tackles for loss this year. Allen and Payne are third and fourth, respectively, in tackles for loss. And they also have Montez Sweat and Chase Young, who might be making his first appearance of the season, I believe. We have to, we have to keep an eye on that. So the defensive front way might be in full force. How will the Eagles' offensive line, how will Jalen Hurts and that rushing attack fare against this if 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 healthy is fully intact Washington uh defensive front
0: not well. Uh <laughs> they ran the ball for like 2.4 yards per carry the first time around. Uh the the Commanders have the number 2 DVOA run defense mm. in the league right now at negative 22.9%. So that means playing the Commanders your run offense will be basically 23% less effective than against an average team. So very good run defense. Uh, And really, their pass defense has sneakily improved a lot since the first matchup. In the last three weeks, they're ninth in dropback EPA and fifth in rushing EPA. So their defense is playing a lot better, and it all starts with stopping the run up front and forcing offenses into third and long. So for the Eagles, I think it would be wise to come into this game and not abandon the run, but. Air it out on early downs. You don't want to let yourself get into third and long, where these pass rushers can tee off on you, pin yours back, and come after the quarterback. You want to make them respect the run, and the way that you can do that is by staying ahead of the chain, staying in neutral distance, down and distance situations.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be <laughs> it's, it's, uh, something to watch uh, for sure. Dallas Goddard, the guy who just had a had a, a big game against Houston, I think he's going to be a guy that I keep an eye on. In this game, because he only had four targets, I think in the first game, three catches for twenty six and a touchdown obviously Devontae Smith went nuclear, so not a lot of targets to uh to uh to to go around but uh Goddard and his light workload that day uh, were surely something to uh something to see. We're gonna have to uh figure out what Washington is going to do at linebacker to try and combat uh Dallas Goddard. I don't think they have a whole lot of linebackers, I think. Uh, Cole Holcomb was out week nine so I don't know if he's going to be he might be their one half decent linebacker is this going to be another Dallas Goddard game do you think
0: it could be Um, they don't have very good linebackers so again with running if you can get through the first level that you you can exploit those linebackers a little bit you could try to exploit them with Dallas Goddard the first game around was a big Devonta Smith game it was his best game Mm -hmm. of the year 169 yards and a touchdown and Something the Eagles did to the Commanders a lot in that game is they started, it was the first time we really saw them go into a lot of empty sets. Uh, In week three against the Commanders, when passing from empty, uh, they were eight of nine for 97 yards, so that's 10.8 yards per attempt with a touchdown and a 78% success rate. When passing from non-empty sets, they were 13 of 27 for 243 yards, nine yards per t- attempt, two touchdowns, and they had under a 45% success rate. So they were much more consistent. They moved the ball at higher yards per attempt from empty. And one of the things that they did a lot in that game is they would put a running back out wide and then put Devonta Smith in the slot. And that sort of forces the defense to tip their hand. If you're going to play man coverage, then we know that because you're either you, you're having to put your linebacker all the way out at the boundary on a receiver and teams don't typically want to do that so they're going to either have to drop into zone uh, which gives Devonte smith a matchup with a linebacker which obviously is not going to go well for the linebacker uh, and, and that's what they did a lot there was a lot of targets to Devonte smith they would put Devonte and aj brown on the same side and so you sort of have Devonte smith on a linebacker and, and he needs help from the safety and so then you have A.J. Brown, single coverage, breaking inside, open. I would look for a lot of that, again, in this game. So I think the Eagles are going to try to get empty. They're going to try to sort of spread and shred a little bit early and then maybe try to develop that running game once they get a lead and they start trying to grind out some clock.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you brought – I was going to bring up the other uh, the empty sense. A lot of their damage was done out of that against Washington. Smith and Brown combined for uh, 254 yards in the two touchdowns 13 catches and the other empty sets were a big reason for that so we're gonna have to see how uh Jack Del Rio is he the defensive coordinator over there Del Rio
0: yeah I think he's still there
1: yeah 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 just trying to trying to remember so it's a wonder uh but he's I don't know how he's gonna have to uh try try to figure out what he's going to do not only with AJ and Devante but without much linebacker talent there, you are gonna have to be wary of Dallas Goddard his screens And the three 300 pound offensive linemen that come with that in front of him which is definitely uh interesting to see any i uh, those are basically all of all of my key matchups were there any other matchups um you had circled for this game obviously minus the uh the eagles punter versus washington's over turner
0: (laughs) yeah i javon hargrave kind of went off the first time around or not went off it's not like he had four sacks or something but he had a pretty big game against Andrew Norwell, kind of gave him fits. And so, you know, if they're able to get away from him as the nose and line him up over Norwell again, that could be an interesting thing to watch. But, yeah, for the most part, that's it. I think, like I said, the key the key for the Eagles defense is just to get that pass rush, maybe not get sacks, but to get home and affect plays uh, and not be overly concerned about the deep ball. But that's about all I have notes-wise for matchups going into this one. Yeah,
1: not a lot of uh... – only because we've seen we've seen how this how this shook out how this shook out the first time. So so I think it's gonna be more of the same. Heineke is obviously different, but it's not like he offers you anything. If, if anything, I think he has less arm strength than, than Carson Wentz. That's kind of what Carson had. Even if he bombs it, uh it's kind of nowhere near the guy's throwing to, but he did at least have have the arm and that threat was there. So it'll be interesting to see how uh the scrappy Taylor Heineke is going to perform especially on uh on on monday night i'm surprised this game didn't get flexed with the uh <laughs> but it's the eight no eagles so can of they course flex
0: out of monday I, i'm not sure how those rules all work yeah can they i don't flex even flex the game off of monday night i know they can like sunday games i don't know if they can change the day though
1: yeah yeah i know some i think the charges game or something already got flexed uh okay. for, for 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 something yeah you might be right mondays are probably untouchable um uh um to this point, yes, the Eagles look to move to uh, 9-0 and with a victory over Washington. Then we start to get the interesting games. Well, no, because then the Colts. Indianapolis. Then you get the interesting games. Green Bay, then you get uh Tennessee, and you get all those guys. Giants, right? They're coming up. So we're definitely going to finally see what the Eagles look like against, I guess, what people would call it, a decent team since they haven't played in any of them to this point, says so, everyone else. <laughs> appreciate you guys. Any other points you wanted to, wanted to highlight before we wrap this up?
0: Nope. I think that's good for me.
1: Yeah, I always be jumping into into the stuff. Meanwhile, you have (laughs) probably three more bullet points to to run down.
0: (laughs) Nice. Yeah, the second time when you're playing a division team for the second time, you've hit a lot of these talking points before. And like you mentioned, it's a different quarterback this time. Not remarkably different though. Probably has lower peaks and higher valleys than Carson Wentz. Like you mentioned, the arm strength. He's not going to kill you like Wentz did. Uh, he's not going to kill his own team like Wentz could either. So he's just a little more stable. But functionally, they have about the same effect on the offense. Right,
1: right. I will, also, I will end on this note. The Eagles are the first team since 1972 to have won the turnover battle in each of the first eight games of the season. So in most cases, you win the turnover battle in that game, you end up winning that game. So let's hope that is going to be uh, the common theme through the second half of the season. The season is already half over. How depressing is that to think about? Feels like That's it just crazy. started. We yeah, are halfway right. done. Can we talk about training camp like it never left soon? So <laughs> it's going to be fantastic. Appreciate you guys for tuning into this edition of the uh, of the EPA podcast. That's Eagles player analysis with myself, Victor Williams, as well as Shane Half. Be sure to follow me on all platforms at the uh, the Philly Pod. Subscribe to BGN Radio on Apple iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, anywhere else you get your platforms, of course, part of Bleeding Green and Shane, where can everybody find you and the projects you have coming up?
0: Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at half half underscore TPL on YouTube at Shane Half NFL. Uh, You can go check out Chalk Talk we just recorded last night for NFL Week 9 Weekend Review, so if you want to hear about what's going on around the rest of the NFL uh, and of course check out my All 22 content, including I have one up uh, on the YouTube from the first matchup with the Commanders talking about passing out an empty set, so If you're interested in that and you want to see some of the footage from the first game you can go look that one up as well
1: uh i think you might be able to uh, change your name now since the check marks like don't matter anymore (laughs) or people can pay for them now or whatever the situation is yeah i'm gonna
0: write it i'm gonna write it out until they take my check mark away and then i'm gonna change (laughs) my name (laughs)
1: Then so. you should just change it and then just buy to a dollar and then we we'll be, will be right back where we started what a mess twitter is becoming oh my goodness thank you guys for tuning in this week we'll be back with you guys next week recapping hopefully another eagles win and talking about the uh the 9-0 and philadelphia eagles at that point as we try to ride out ride out this undefeated streak uh as long as possible shane next week i already know i'm gonna ask you where you stand on this whole should the eagles lose the game before the playoffs you know talk going around that'll be fun to do Uh, next week thank you guys for tuning in we'll catch you guys on the next one peace out from myself victor shane half this is the epa podcast more to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of